It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, your solution maker, your win-win maker, and I know you have a problem. You've got a problem because you're wasting marketing dollars. And I want to help you to be able to fix that. And that's why I have Christina Krause, who is actually, she is in Postal Impact, as well as Virtual Lead Managers. And what we're going to talk about today is how the fortune truly is in the follow-up. But we're not going to just tell you that you need to follow up. We're actually going to teach you how to follow up. So before we get started, Christine, if you could just share, is it actually truly important to follow up? Like, can you just tell me, is it, is it actually important and, and why is it important? Yeah, it's critical. It's funny because I've heard said often over the years in real estate, 60 to 70% of your deals are going to come in follow up, which means that they're coming more than 30 days after the initial point of contact from the seller who contacts your company. We actually just, because our, because Postal Impact is a data and analytical company, we go into people's businesses, we grab their data, we analyze it, we look at their deals, et cetera. We actually just got done with a three-year study, a study of three years worth of data for our clients who had an actual follow-up system, had a methodical, consistent follow-up system versus clients who didn't. And by the way, the vast majority, even of our very high-end clients, we deal with some of the biggest investors in the nation, frankly, from the completely done-for-you direct mail standpoint. But the vast majority of even those clients did not have any kind of systematic follow-up. So we studied the people who did versus the people that didn't. And what we found is that for people who did have a follow-up sequence in place, they converted an additional 74%, 74% of their deals came in the follow-up, 30 days after the initial point of contact with the client. Adam, guess how many, what percentage of deals for people who did not follow up? Guess the number. All right, so if you didn't follow up, if you didn't I would, have a follow-up system. I would say you only get like 1%, I'm pretty sure. Pretty close, 8%. So okay. 8% conversion after 30 days, versus 74% conversion after 30 days. That's insane. I want to make sure that people try to question this. Same conversion on the front end. You know, these are high operators. So all of them were converting 22 to 25% of their deals on the front end still, but an additional amount was converted on the back end simply because they had a follow-up system in place. So whether you're in real estate or whether you're in pharmaceuticals or whatever industry that you are in, at the end of the day, the message has to be that A, you have to treat the leads with the respect that they should because they're the biggest asset in your business. Leads are always the biggest asset in your business. And what that means is that you have to nurture them all the way through the sequence. You can't just take the low hanging fruit and lead. Well, you can, but you're doing it to your own detriment. You know, you can do whatever you want, but I'm telling you right now, you've got to have some kind of follow-up system in place on those leads. You've paid for them, convert them. So you might close a certain amount on, on day one. And uh, so that's kind of, that's your normal, I, I, I don't know what the term in science, but it's, it's your steady thing. It's like 20% or whatever you said. Yeah, the and technical then, term is low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> and, then, and then on top of that, you get 60, around 66%, like two-thirds more likely to if you're going to actually find a way to follow up. So now that we know that, now that we trust you are telling us the truth and we can look up these stats, how do we actually do the follow-up? Like, 
I know that you're in a company that you're, you're really good at follow-up, so I want to pick your brain on how we can learn to do the same exact thing so that we can get those types of results. Absolutely. So the first thing people always do when they say, well, I don't, I can't follow up because I don't know what to say. I don't have a, you know, I don't have a script. I, what's the process, blah, blah, blah. Here's why that is not a good excuse. When we deploy these virtual lead managers into people's businesses, it's actually critical within that first about 120 day period is what we're finding out as we study the data. But you want custom individual follow-up on your leads initially. You don't want this fully automated sequence initially. And let me give you an example why. This is a true story. So, you know, we had a, a client who had lost a contract because Midwest came in and they offered $2,000 more than they did. So they lost the contract. The seller said, I'm going to go here. I got offered more money. No problem. We get it. You know, fine. We're closing on whatever it was. You know, we're going to close this on March 30th. Well, guess what should be happening on March 31st? Someone should, be, someone should be calling that person and saying, hey, I know that you were scheduled to close on March 30th. I just wanted to see if, that, if you closed that deal or if there's anything more that we can do for you. No, we didn't close the deal. We had this kind of stuff that happened in the home inspection. Deal fell apart. I need to sell this now. Done. That's a custom follow-up sequence. And, and the only way that, they that you would have adequately followed up on that is if some, a human being was looking at that and making a custom decision about how they're going to follow up on that lead. There's a period of time, and we're, you know, we're studying that data to figure out what the highest value period of time is. But at the end of the day, the vast majority of what you convert in follow-up is going to be on the front end of that time period. You're not, most of your, you know, deals aren't going to be recognized three years down the road, although that does happen. And you hear stories of that happening all the time. So you should be following up long-term, but at least initially, if you do nothing else in your business, guys, just follow up on the leads that you didn't get the deal on, you know? So there's a thousand other leads you could follow up on. But if I had to tell you to focus on one thing, just start doing one thing. If you ran the appointment or you made a virtual offer and someone said no, follow up on those leads first. Prioritize those leads. All right. So I have so many questions already. The first, the first one is just, you're saying that you need to follow up with people that said no? Absolutely. Absolutely. Those are the ones that are the deals. In fact, somewhere between like 70 to 75% of the deals that you're going to get in follow up happen because somebody, you couldn't come together on a price. So you guys leave deals on the table all the time where somebody goes, you're like, they're totally unrealistic. They want retail for their house. How many times have you heard that story? We can't make that a deal. Like I need to get it for 60 and they want 120. I cannot tell you how many examples I can give you of people, you know, they do, they come into the initial sale with an unrealistic expectation, but two things happen within a, you know, a 90 to 120 day period. Number one, they get more realistic because now they get lots of people saying, you're crazy. I'm not giving you 120,000. So that's the first thing that happens. The second thing that happens is whatever it was that motivated them to sell in the first place, that deadline continues to approach. Mm. Okay. So somewhere in that time frame, they start to panic and they go, oh my gosh, now not only do I understand that I was unrealistic about my price and what I thought I could get for this house because the media is telling me that it's, it's, a, it's a seller's market and I can get top dollar for my house. I can't do that. And 
I have to be out of here now in 15 days. What am I going to do? That's the time when you come back in and you, if you're following up you're, and you're just saying, wanted to reach out to see if there's anything more that we can do. That's, yeah. you know, that's when that stuff happens. What kind of systems and technology can we utilize to assist us in being better at follow-up? A lot of the CRMs out there, if, if uh, the, the management systems, the lead conversion systems that are out there, systems like in, 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 you know, Infusionsoft, InvestorFuse, FreedomSoft, a lot of the CRMs have some of these automations already built in, okay? So usually those, though, are fully automated sequences, and I hope that I've made the argument that at least initially, I'd like to see you do, doing custom follow-up versus, because think about the lady who, you know, didn't, didn't close the deal with the $2,000. If she got this random text that was like, you know, after you've made contact and she got a random text that we, we want to buy your house, you know, that, that's not going to resonate the same way as, Hey, I know that you were supposed to close. Did you close on that? It's not going to resonate even the same way. In fact, it might even feel a little weird to her to get a text like that from you when you were aware of the circumstances. So a lot of the CRMs are going to have these automated sequences built in and or some way to tag things or set reminders on things. I'm a very big proponent of having a full time lead manager in your business somebody whose job it is to nurture and audit that lead all the way through your sales process to include running your follow-up sequences. It's that important. If you think about it, if you only did 10 deals last year, and let's not say 75%, let's say 50%. If you closed an additional 50% of deals, that's five deals. That more than pays for a lead manager and more than justifies a lead manager sitting in your office making sure they're watching those leads like a bulldog and that making sure that nothing, no, no stone gets unturned on those leads. Wow. So I, I just want to repeat that because I just want it to sink in. And that's something that I have never thought of. It's like, Hey, you know, we're bootstrapping it and we, we need to cut costs. We need to save costs. Uh, you know, we're only doing 10 deals this year. We can't yet afford to have like a lead manager, but like, what you just said is pretty much saying that you can't afford not to have that lead manager because they're going to get you those extra, you know, 50% of deals or 70 something percent of deals that you would not have gotten without them. And that, like you said, it more than pays their salary to be able to help make sure that you're going forward. And, and once you start doing this is when you can start putting more people into their place and, and growing this into not just a hobby, but a business. I cannot even believe that you just said that because my platform for the entire year as I'm speaking is trying to help real estate investors own businesses, not run businesses. There's a big difference between the two. And as a business owner, you have to look at that lead manager just as I've described it. You have to say, if I put a dollar in and I get three back out, it makes sense. I'm not going to micromanage the time. I'm not going to worry about, well, you know, what if they're only working 30 hours a week, or they, they're only, they only have 30 hours worth of work to do. What am I going to do with those other 10 hours? I'm not going to do it. Who cares? If you put a dollar into the machine and you get three back, what if they only work one hour a week? Do you really care? Or do you care as a business owner that you've made a decision that monetizes itself and duplicates itself, doubles, triples, quadruples itself? I mean, it's huge. Awesome. Is part of your skills, Christina, is part of like what you're doing, 
is teaching, you know, maybe the scripts of when you're following up or is it more of just that you need to follow up and, and how to automate it? I do, but I have to be honest with you because that's what everybody says. They want to say, okay, what do I say? And again, I feel like you're kind of shifting to running a business versus owning a business and I'll do it. In fact, I'm, I've, I've got a, an entire day that I'm speaking here in the next week or so about this and I can get into more detail then. I think it is far more important just to impress upon people the importance of getting back to understanding how valuable the lead is and treating it as an, the biggest asset in your business and then thinking like a business owner and going, I'm not going to allow the fact that I'm not quite sure what to say. We're all smart enough. You know, like take, for the, take the example that I gave you of the Midwest example. You know what to say, you know, but, but you have to have the discipline to pick up that lead and go, what's the next thing that needs to be done with this? Which is why I love lead managers because that's their job. It's their job to pick a baby up to pick up that baby and make sure, does the baby need to be fed? Does the, does the diaper need to be changed? Do I need to tuck the baby in? What needs to be done? And it's different for everyone. It's really important. And I think that this is a big missing piece in our industry as well. Humanity is critical. It's the only thing that differentiates us from those big eye buyers, right? So if the more humanity that we can inject into the process, the more that we can customize that, the better it's going to make us. That's how we stand out. That's, how, that's actually, in my opinion, how we survive. We mm. automate what we can, but we inject humanity where it makes sense to inject it. I think follow-up is, is that that's where it is. So we can talk about scripts, but I think it's more important that you are prioritizing doing it at least in the first 90 to 120 days, at the very least. You mean while cultivating that lead for the first three months, three whole months? Four yeah. months? Okay. Yep. For the first three to four months, I really like a human being looking at something and making a decision about what that follow-up is going to be, and then making a decision about the next step before you move on. So if you contact someone and they say, oh yeah, I remember talking to you guys. Well, I'm not in a huge rush, but I, you know, I, I mean, I've got a couple of months left before I have to be out of here. That's some valuable information. You make a note of that, so now you know when to follow up, but you're making an individual decision. You know, people know when they're in a sequence, and I think they appreciate when you're making an individual decision, like, hey, I remember last time we talked, you said you're, you, you were on your way to your daughter's soccer, soccer game. How did that go? Okay. Well, I just wanted to see, you know, if, uh, I know that you weren't ready to sell your house yet. Just wanted to reach out and let you know that we're still here. If there's anything that we could do, whatever. I think people appreciate when you inject humanity into that scenario. I've got some more questions for you. And the first one is it's counterintuitive, I believe, to most human beings to follow up if somebody's literally said no. It's like, it, it hurts our hearts. We feel like we're doing the wrong thing. We're th we feel like we're not respecting somebody. But when you say that, you know, 70 something percent of, of the actual money is made with the follow-up, how do we get over that? How do we get over like actually reaching back out to somebody who said, I'm not interested? Yeah. So I think there's a difference between somebody saying, I'm not interested because we can't come together on the details versus I don't want to sell my home. I don't even know why you're contacting me. Two totally different scenarios. And I agree with you. I don't think that, you know, every week you follow up with that person and say, you ready? 
You ready? You ready? <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. So, you know, maybe those kinds of people go into a little bit of a more fully automated sequence. And again, somebody should be making that decision because they can throw them into a fully automated sequence that maybe once a month, there's a text that goes out or an email that goes out that just says, we want, you know, a little bit more of a generic kind of message, or maybe you put them into a, a, a postcard campaign, right? Versus somebody who says, no, I mean, I would consider selling my house. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not overly anxious to sell my house. I would consider selling it for the right price. And then they want over retail. That's a totally different lead because somebody who is considering selling their house, they have reasons and those reasons change on a daily basis. And it's not up to you to decide, you know, what might, what circumstances might change. Those are high value situations. When Anytime you can't come together on the terms, if there's any scenario that I can identify that's a super high value scenario, that's it. That's when you want a human being making a decision about how to follow up and build rapport and make sure that every single time they're doing it, they're taking notes so they can, they can reference the build, right? Because it's all about building rapport, not just immediately gaining rapport, but building it over time. So, you know, I have clients too where what if that person isn't interested in selling or you can't come to terms, but you've built enough rapport and trust with them that they go, you know what? My mom needs to sell her house. And this stuff happens. I'm not making this up. You know, this stuff happens. Yeah, I have an example of that as well. And I, I've never been as great at follow-up as, as you are. There was a time though where we were doing more. So right now we do larger multifamily and there was a time where we were really trying to help people out of their foreclosure situations. And I, and specifically, I remember a couple of times where I, I was unable to make a deal with somebody, but because of the humanization of, you know, literally just trying to be there to solve a problem. And it was unfortunate we couldn't. They couldn't come as low. Or I couldn't go as high. And it, and it was, you know, nothing personal. But because we, we got along, there was there's twice that we we made money from that person saying you know i i can't sell for that adam but like i think you're a good guy i have somebody else who's in a situation and so twice we we made really good money just because of that so it looks like we have a couple questions that might be coming in i'll make sure if there is any questions on the facebook that i'll i'll get them all answered or help to make sure that christina answers them because I'm not the expert here when it comes to follow-up. Uh, Christina, if you could, just before we go into the questions that are already coming in on the Facebook, yeah. if you could help me out. I have, I have a couple questions. I want to really just understand more clearly. They don't have to be long answers, but I want to understand more clearly what does Postal Impact do and what does Virtual Lead Managers do? Okay. So Postal Impact is our primary company. We are essentially a data and analytical company. So what we do is we go into people's businesses, we do lead gen, and we pull lists for clients um, based on the, their particular area. We look at the demographics and what we know is working nationally. We pull an initial list, and once we pull and mail that list out, we start to study the responses to that list. So what we're essentially doing is creating, based on data and analytics, we're creating for our clients and their particular areas a custom motivated seller avatar, right? By studying what are the common characteristics of the sellers that respond, what do their homes look like, 
we also do have a completely done for you model. So we execute the entire direct mail campaign around that list that we generate. We generate the list. We execute the direct mail campaign. We analyze the data and analytics all the way through the sales pipeline so that we not only ultimately identify what's the 20 to 30% of your list that you're mailing that gives you 70 to 80% of your yield so that we can niche your list down so you're not constantly mailing out a crap ton of mailers. Not just that though, but how does your team convert different lead types so that we can identify strengths and weaknesses in your team? So, you know, we do that not just for lead gen and direct mail, but we consult with our clients on, on their other campaigns as well. The reason why that's important is just to establish the fact that Postal Impact is, is rooted in data and analytics. And that's how these virtual lead managers were born, frankly. We work with a lot of high-end clients. We noticed that this is a hole in a lot of people's businesses. We were advising them to follow up, but understood just like being consistent with direct mail. You know, everybody knows that you need to be consistent and methodical, but to actually do that is very difficult. So we created these virtual lead managers that we pre-train to run follow-up sequences and how to nurture leads through the process. We drop them into people's businesses. More importantly, though, again, we're an analytical company. So now, you know, we're working with hundreds of these people. We get to look into hundreds of investors of businesses and follow-up sequences because what we're ultimately trying to determine is what are the most valuable follow-up sequences? Is there a better follow-up sequence for this lead type versus lead type? What's the period of time that's the highest value, highest converting, where I'm going to insist that a human being follows up versus where I say, all right, the draw, here's the, we, we identified the 70, 80%, 20 to 30% can go into a fully automated sequence. So that's our end game with virtual lead managers is not only to increase the conversion in our clients' businesses, but also ultimately to study the data so that, you know, we just all become like these machines. It, 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 data is everything, man. It's so predictable. Once you have enough of it, everything gets so predictable and it also removes emotions. We're so emotional. Entrepreneurs are so emotional. It removes emotions out of the equation. I'm, I'm not emotional. <laughs> I am emotional. I might not be like a warm, fuzzy crier, but I, 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 like, I may, I, I'm prone to make... You ask me how I'm doing and it depends on the last two days. It doesn't like, I'm not looking at the big picture. I'm going, man, it's crappy, but that's because I took some awful phone calls the last couple of days or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're so driven by what's going on in the moment instead of looking at the truth of the big picture and, and the numbers. So the, that's how those two marry. At the end of the day, here's the bottom line. Both Postal Impact and Virtual Lead Managers exist to maximize conversion in our clients' businesses. That's the end game, always. I love that. And by the way, there was no questions. It's just you have a lot of fans, Christina. Yay! You have a, a, lot of the, a lot of the biggest flippers and wholesalers that I know are commenting on the Facebook right now. Just being I love like, my clients, man. Christina's awesome. Christina's the best. Tell them. <laughs> Tell them that the lead is only as good as the person holding it, dropping bombs. You just, you got some fan. She knows Yay. her stuff. Yeah, this is, this is, this is awesome. And all, everybody commenting, these are, these are people that I, I see them doing 100, 200, 300 deals a, a year. Man, I'm telling you, we get to work with some amazing people and I, I'm, I'm grateful. But more than anything, I love doing things like this because I know that 
by working with enough people like that and getting enough data and being able to present that, you know, there's some authority, there's some credibility and authority that I have when I'm speaking. I'm not making stuff up. I'm saying, guys, I get to have a bird's eye view of some of the biggest investors in the business. I'm telling you what they're doing that makes them successful and what they're doing that, you know, that's, that's giving them a hiccup. Yeah, and this is what we do. So I love sharing stuff like this. I appreciate the opportunity. So are you, I believe that you're a member of some, some masterminds out there or yeah. do you just, okay, tell me, tell me about those. Man, there's several that I, I'm actually a member of. I, I participate with Collective Genius. That's a great group of investors, just an outstanding group of investors. Um, I speak at a lot of masterminds as well. Sometimes when people see me kind of out there, I, I'm, I, I'm not a member of like 15 different masterminds, but I, you know, I, I do speak here and there just on marketing and, you know, follow up and things like that. But the, the masterminds that I'm really passionate about, Collective Genius, certainly one of them, Life and Air. I think Life and Air is, a, is an incredible mastermind. That's a mastermind more about balancing work and life as well. And that's really, really important to me. I've got two kids that are, you know, needing my time and attention and making sure I get excited about this stuff clearly, you know, but to me, there's no point in building a business that takes you away from what's most important, you know, which are, which is your family. Yeah. So, you know, there's that, there's leadership boardroom. There's a kind of a, kind of a speaker's mastermind. Uh, I love, here's the bottom line about masterminds. I'm a huge fan and I'll, and, and probably more because I've been in this world for a long time. I've been a real estate investor and, and I'm still an active investor to this day since 1999. I grew up with a lot of these guys. I mean, grew up in the sense of in the business, you know what I mean? So I remember like when we were first starting out and getting involved in masterminds and things like that, we were struggling. I remember some of the biggest names in the business now, I remember being in masterminds and being like, oh man, you know, next week, I'm not sure how I'm going to get this paid next month. I remember those times. You build the most amazing bonds in those masterminds. It's not just about um, learning about the business, although that's a huge part of it, but the community and the network and the support that you get from the relationships that you build in those masterminds. It might not seem important now, but I promise you, for those of you who are out there and are just kind of starting out, you're growing up with some people who are going to be giants 10 years from now. I guarantee it. I mean, so, you know, sometimes we get together, you know, some of these, some of the, some of us oldsters and we just laugh and laugh because we remember those times, you know, fast forward six, seven, eight years and we're doing well. And it was just, great to experience all of that together. We're family at this point. A lot of these guys are my family, man. <laughs> yeah, guys. there's speaking of that, there's more comments coming in. <laughs> Scott Carson talking about, you know, she knows her stuff, talking about Jason Medley, um, you know, with Collective Genius, Corey Boatwright's like remembering back to the short oh, sale right. days you guys had. So it, this is this is this is kind of fun to be a part of your family reunion. One thing that I was very curious of, and you said you're a member of Collective Genius, and there's just so many amazing people in that group that I consider, you know, good friends of mine, and they're yeah. just crushing it in the business. I want to know how this lead gen applies to multifamily. And the reason I ask this is because I have met so many people in multifamily that are, some of them are, you know, really successful and and they have this like heart or this impression I don't know what the best word they feel like that you can't do this stuff with multifamily so I really just want to directly ask you this question like can Tim 
Can Corey Boatwright or Corey Peterson, can, can I, Adam Adams, can we implement, you know, off-market deals with, with your strategies and by large multifamily? Have you seen anything like that? Of course. And I work with some of you. So, you know, I, I, I know this. Obviously, it's a little bit more, it's a tighter market. I'm really glad that you're bringing this up because I wanted to talk about follow-up as it relates to multifamily because I know that's a big part of your audience. Let's start with lead gen first. Um, anytime you're trying to identify a motivated seller, the most important thing in single family residence or multifamily mobile home, I don't care what it is, is study what is valuable. You know, if you've identified, if you've done a couple of deals and you've identified, you've either identified the niche that you want to be in, like, cause some people say, I only want this many units or I want this many units or I want this type of unit. The bottom line is if you can, the, the, the more you can identify what you want, ideally you've done some deals and you know your rock star deal. So if you say, man, these were the deals that just, I crushed it. You have to become a student then of those situations. Same thing with single family residents. You have to first identify what's your highest value conversion, right? Because most people don't do that. A deal is a deal. But if you would look at all of the deals that you've done over the years and you identified what are the ones where I just killed it, these yielded me my highest ROI. And you become, you do an autopsy. Alex Pardo uses, uh, uses that word and I love that word. You do an autopsy of these deals where you, you know, really study to the tiniest degree. You study the owner. You study how long they owned that. You study how they acquired that asset. You study the asset itself. The more you understand about the deal, for the first identify because most people don't even know that most people couldn't even tell you they just have a sense of what their rock star deal is but again it's an emotional decision for whatever the reason they felt great about that deal that deal might not have even been their best deal but they just feel great about that deal maybe on the surface it looks good study your deals so that you understand what was a truly profitable deal identify what are the common characteristics and then you have a way to more elegantly target who you're going after so now if you know that your highest value multifamily units came from people who are over the age of 72, who bought, who've owned the unit for more than 20 years, who have, a, and, the, and the building is a specific type of building, what, now you've niched that down. So now you've taken a list of, let's say, a thousand units down to 200 units. Now, I mean, I, I have clients that I work with that will literally find out about those 200 people. And they'll put themselves in positions, especially in multifamily. Multifamily, depending on where you live, can be very much like a old, a, 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 you know, like the old boys club. Is that the right word for it? Where it's <laughs> yes. And I don't mean boys. I just mean like, you know, they want you to be local. It's about relationships. So I have clients who will literally go and find out where do, are they in country clubs? Do they frequent certain types of bars? Listen, when you're talking about multi-million dollar deals, these things are important and it's about more about relationship, you know? So from a follow-up standpoint, follow me on this because I want to tie the follow-up into this because follow-up is probably more important in multifamily mobile home, these bigger deals than anything else, because the vast majority of your deals, the, the likelihood that you're going to happen to call somebody who owns an apartment combo that needs to sell today is slim. It's about Developing a relationship. I, I actually wish I could have called my lead managers, the virtual lead managers, virtual lead auditors, but that wouldn't have resonated with people. But I really see, you know, this role as more of a, uh, not auditors, but nurturers, virtual lead nurturers. 
It's about nurturing the lead more in multifamily than anything else. It's about finding out everything that you can find out about it and how do I inject my humanity and myself into this scenario and present myself uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, a, a problem solver or you know, somebody that this person likes even. I'm not saying go be fake. You know, people know when you're doing that. But at the end of the day, if this is something that you really want to do, become a student of it. Find out about it and then figure out how to target those people. Maybe it's a video postcard instead of a regular postcard. Maybe it's a gift basket. Maybe it's whatever. Think You can think of something. Break the box. Don't let somebody else define you. If you sit down for 30 minutes and you say, I'm going to think about nothing else, but how would I get somebody's attention? What's a really unique but not fake way to get somebody's attention for me? Because it has to be individual to you. It has to resonate with you. You'll figure it out. You just got to give yourself some space to think about it. So just think about it. Does that make sense? It, it absolutely does make sense. And uh, that, was, that was a lot of really good info. I'm really uh, sincerely heavily grateful that you came onto the show. I learned a ton and I'm almost speechless. I mean, I have to be talking right now, but I'm just like, I just want to let that soak in. <laughs> so I already know for a fact that I'm going to be going back into this episode. I'll probably be listening to it two or three times in a row because I learned so much and I just, yeah, it's like I'm still processing. How do I do that? How am I going to, you know, take the 30 minutes to kind of think about how to reach out to people? How am I going to take the time that it, that it takes to understand how to humanize the follow-up? Uh, what market are you in? Uh, so we're in Oklahoma City with, okay. um, with Mr. Well, Corey well, Boatwright. Right. Yeah. yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in and market to the multifamilies and then I'll just flip it to you. How about that? I'll just, I'll just take over on the marketing side. And <laughs> I'm, I am down. I am down for that. That sounds awesome. Thank you. All right, so let's, we will, shall, we should wrap up the episode. I got so much value out of today and I hope that you'll um, come back on the show again. Um, maybe we could ask some more uh, poignant questions, especially toward multifamily. I learned so much. Thank you so much for coming on. How do, how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? How do they find these, these websites? I'll go ahead and throw it in the show notes right now. Yep. So from the marketing standpoint, it's postalimpact.com. Again, that's a very limited model there that we, that we execute, but would love to talk to you about that. If that's something that you're, if you're, if a completely done for you product is what you're looking at, that's what Postal Impact does as well as consulting with data and analytics. And then for follow-up is virtual lead managers. Again, we essentially just pre-train virtual assistants to, to, to be dropped into your business, to, to be these nurturers of your leads so that, you know, and, and we could do it, you know, from, from start to finish within two weeks, you could literally have someone in your business doing this follow-up stuff. Awesome. So if they wanted to find you or reach out to you, would they find you on one of these two websites, postalimpact.com or virtualleadmanagers.com? Yes, sir. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. And you talked a lot about creativity as it results in the follow-up process. So until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box. <laughs>